Aloha, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney-Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we will continue our Sustainable Leaders series and have a talk story with Bobby Furious, co-founder and president of Kunoa Cattle Company. We will be discussing what it means to provide sustainable beef to Hawaii and share what Kunoa Cattle Company has been up to for the past few years. Aloha, Bobby. Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, meeting with me and doing this podcast. I know it's been some months since we've briefly met. Yes, <laughs> so yes, yes. This will be a good one. Um, we wanted to usually dive in and talk, and I usually do a little quick snippet of you. So I'm going to read this bio that I have. As a third generation rancher, champion team roper, and descendant of sugarcane plantation workers on Kauai, Bobby has seen firsthand the evolution of agriculture in Hawaii. For years, Bobby has operated the largest calf brokerage on Kauai, negotiating the sale and shipping of calves off island. Bobby co-founded Kunoa to help reserve this um, reverse this model and keep beef income and jobs in Hawaii. He previously worked in property management on Kauai and with Lanai Western Adventures. As president, he oversees all aspects of companies, the company's operations and strategic visions. So let's get started. Maybe we can, um, a lot of our listeners are green to green, so they may know absolutely nothing about <laughs> any of this that we're going to talk about, and um, others may actually be pretty well-versed and um, know a lot more. So we usually like to do 101 on a lot of these things and then also dive a little deeper for those that are listening that know what we're talking about. So um, maybe a little bit background on yourself growing up would yeah, be great to start. You bet. So, um, you know, our, my, growing up, we were always in agriculture. We had a family feed store. Um which was out of necessity. We had quite a bit of animals and Kauai didn't have a lot of options for uh, local feed stores. And so we started bringing in feed for ourselves and the neighbors started wanting us to bring some for them. And that store went almost 40 years. Um, it was a great uh, family business that we grew up with, but it was always around agriculture. Um, we have a rich rodeo history. Um, my brother and I rodeoed all growing up um, in Hawaii and in the mainland. And um, so we're always around cattle and livestock and, you know, land and the availability of good land was always a big part of our business as the family business and what we did for, for, for pleasure. So we've always had a pretty sharp focus on, again, the availability of land and the availability of good land. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it's, I knew it was something I always wanted to do and I just it was it took a while to find that niche of how I was going to make it better and be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. So I know that we are definitely focused on our Hawaii sustainable initiatives. So um, yes, the goal of what doubling our food doubling our food production yeah. yes by 2030 is one of the goals. So I I'm excited to see that there are um, people in well this is in meat but I mean you know agriculture in general really pushing forward and making a difference. So you are definitely one of those companies. So we definitely want to dive more into that. So. One of the things that I wanted to start with was I think a lot of people don't know how the cattle, you know, when you say local beef, like you're eating local beef here, mm -hmm. what does that mean? And then um, 
what is the process or how has it been, you know, going, you know, from maybe in the past to now? Right. Well, you know, cattle have been around forever, right? Everybody in Hawaii's got a Hawaii story of how their family indirectly or other is connected to some ranching family or ranching entity. Um, it shows, it showed its stability by being one of the longest commodity agriculture activities around, right? It's been around forever. It's outlived cane and pineapple and every other uh, large uh, commodity group. I think the opportunity is that there is probably more open space land available than there ever was um, in Hawaii, uh, production land. Um, and I think the ask has never been as big as it is today, right? So lots of opportunity there. And, you know, for us, local is really easy. And I, and I know in Hawaii, there's a lot of local products that have some local connection, whether it was production or it was uh, an idea. But I'm proud to say that the local cattle industry is 100% local, right? Born, raised, harvested, processed, and distributed locally. Um, and we're proud of that, right? Because, again, sustainable ranching or sustainable living um is 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 fully encompassed for us in the ranching industry right we have to manage open space so that it's available we have to raise good cattle so that it's a product the customer wants the business model has to be profitable enough to support itself and it has to be a strong enough business plan that the local employee finds security in investing their life into that right mm -hmm. and so it, it's um it's for us a vertically integrated company. It's not just talking about sustainably uh, ranching practices or sustainable protein. Or it, it's 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 in its totality as far as you know open space management, so that we can get more land afforded to that program, right? Whether it's managing topsoil or 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 managing fire fuel. Um, on the ranching side, right, there has to be economics on the ranch that we're producing a good enough calf that will eventually be good enough steaks, so that consumers look for it. And then again, the business model, right? When you're building a system of, of the harvest and the process and the distribution, it, it's it's slim margins, right? So there's there's a critical mass um, sort of sweet spot you have to hit without just getting too big for your britches and not being able to support it, right? So it's um, for us again, it's 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 all of those three sectors that make it sustainable, um, and we're really really focused on it being 100% local. So, at what point did we start shipping our cattle? To the it was a very specific. Well, could you explain that? I think some people don't even know this. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so the old model was all the cattle state. We had enough facilities in Hawaii, um, and when I say facilities, I mean supermarkets had butchers mm -hmm. behind the glass counter. Like it is in Europe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I mean, it's everywhere because it, it's it's a that that carcass needs to be fabricated down into the pieces that person at that particular time wants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think the system is a little flawed right now where you know you order a bunch of things you hope somebody wants. Mm -hmm, and so there's mm -hmm. a little bit of a log jam there on product, right? I mean, how do you utilize all the product, right? So, but with the cost of living in Hawaii and stuff, they went to box beef because it's, it's predictable and there's better economics in it for the store, right? So you get rid of some of the butchers, it cheapens up behind the glass case labor-wise, and so then, it's cutting costs. And stuff. Exactly, right. You're cutting costs, right? And so the problem with all of those models is the only person that really suffers is a consumer. Um, and so Kunoa came at it from the other way. And both of our people we focused on was one was the consumer and one was the rancher, right? How do we make the rancher profitable so that they can do a better job? And how do we make 
the product price point acceptable by the consumer, right? Mm -hmm. One is bring them Sounds a huge, right? right, bring them something that they wanted, one, and two, at a value set that they felt had value so that they would spend, pick that and spend their money on. Mm -hmm. But again, when we started this, that really wasn't the focus. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we realized in our family ranch that going down the path we were wasn't going to be profitable enough for keep, to keep it around forever. Uh, shipping our cabs to the mainland just wasn't working. So again, the old model was keep all of the animals here. The, they fabricated at the back of the store and then went out in the glass case. As the stores moved into boxed beef without very many butchers, the facilities were less and less available, and it became cheaper to ship the animal to the mainland than it was to process it locally. And so that's really when it shifted, when the Hawaii cattle market was really focused on shipping their, our calves away to get finished um, from California and beyond. And when they would get shipped, it's pretty much they're just then on a feed diet. They're, they're not. Yeah, when they left here, 90% of them were destined for a feedlot. And how, how soon do, like, how old are they when they leave? Or how, only, how, I guess the percentage of their life, I have no idea. Would be in the feedlot. Um, yeah. And it depends, right? So the growing season in the mainland is always volatile to the, to the um, weather. Okay. And so if grass was available, a lot of the Hawaii calves would go to California and beyond and get kicked out on grass and then brought into the feed yard the last, you know, four to six months, depending on the program. So, but there was never a prescribed plan because it was really dependent on Mother Nature. Mm. So some calves went from Hawaii straight into a feed yard and some got kicked out on grass and then brought into a feed yard later. Oddly enough, some of them, um, there was an Oregon beef pro a program, and I think it's still going on here, and uh, most of those get kicked out on grass the whole time because they specifically match a certain amount of cattle coming out of Hawaii into uh, grasslands that are reserved for that particular program. Oh, okay. Um, and again, we're proud to say in Hawaii, right? I mean, they're always out on grass the way they should be. And, and that really isn't, you know, this long methodical thought out process. I mean, it's really what we have. We have a growing season year round mm -hmm. and what we really have in abundance is grass. And so, you know, before grass-fed was cool, Hawaii was always grass-fed because that's what they had. Yeah. We always had a lot of grass, it's right? It's more and expensive to buy feed, right? Exactly. We, it's just not here, right? Um, and it's the opposite in the mainland, right? If when you're in the mainland in the winter season, it's cheaper to buy feed than it is to buy grass or, or grow grass, whatever you want to say it, right? So, um, and I think in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, um, the customer has been asking for a healthier protein and Hawaii has realized that they have been given an asset back, open space, grass, to put back in their portfolio for the rancher to use to find some profitability. So when, I'm just going to back up a little mm -hmm. bit, when the, when the cows left, the cattle left mm -hmm. and they're in the mainland, do you bring them back we, or do they normally just get out and go put into the system. Yeah, into yeah. The there, system. there were some programs that were specific to bringing them back. Very small programs. The lion's share of them went into the system. Yeah. And, I mean, the cost wise, just in correct. Um, and, and to be specific on a particular animal to bring back, it, it just didn't make sense for the, all of that tracking, right? Mm -hmm. All of that paperwork mm -hmm. and economics around that. It just didn't make sense. Um, so yeah, the cattle that left, they didn't leave with the purpose to return. Um, just like our pineapple. And yeah. Our <laughs> and that's the thing is, is we always, um, 
know, we always exported all of that value how we did. Um, and so it, um, it it made it hard for that local economics, right? And that, yeah. that's really what makes it sustainable, right? Is doubling down on our own economics. Mm -hmm. um, the more we can do here for here, the better we, we'll be for it. Mm -hmm. um, so again, you know, Kunoa focused on, again, not only managing open space, getting the production down, but also focusing on being able to keep it here, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a really easy model to just kick it out of Hawaii, go find some higher yielding market somewhere else. Um, and I'm not saying that Kuno isn't focused on some of that to help with the economics, but we really wanted to say, hey, it's about local economics and it's about local sustainability. And food security is part of that, right? If the, if the model is, is moving them out of Hawaii, then we haven't built any food security. Yeah, um, exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly the opposite. Especially um, cattle is actual food, whereas um, maybe pineapple and sugarcane was not even a <laughs> substance. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so what we, I guess I want to move more into now is because you're very, I would say, holistic in the sustainable world for like all the verticals, everything that you're doing. And um, I really appreciate that too. So maybe we can talk a little bit more on how you expanded in a couple areas. So one being the renewable energy that you guys are doing. Oh, you know, before you start that, because yes. it's on the facility, why don't you tell us about the facility that you now have here in Oahu for the past few years? Yeah, so um, 2016, late 16, we actually acquired the facility. Um, it, it took us about eight months to upgrade. The facility was a harvest-only facility primarily, so it wasn't doing any processing. And that was sort of Hawaii's problem, right? There was a way to harvest them, but there wasn't a way to process them. So get them down into boxed beef where it could actually go to the stores or restaurants. There wasn't anybody that could accept a whole carcass. So is that the case? Are you the only people that do that now? Or they're, they're, We're the only um, USDA federally approved um, harvest facility. There are many processors okay. in town that, that their, their, big, their bigger part of their business model is bringing in commodity beef and then further processing and value adding and then putting out on the shelf. For instance, in a Calbee, right? So, so Calbee ribs, short ribs are brought over. They're put on a bandsaw, marinated, repackaged, and then put back on the shelf. Oh, like maize. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so all of those local brands we know, um, most of those are probably a commodity product brought in. in from bulk beef. when you say brought in from the mainland. Yeah. My phone is on silent. <laughs> I don't know why it's doing. Sorry for that interruption. Okay. And um, sorry, moving on into other. So they came from the so, mainland. So they would have come from the mainland, right? Okay. Um, you know, New Zealand regular mainland. So that's what processing. It's like they are actually like quote unquote the butchers at that point. Yes. In a sense. So they're they're a big facility that does specifically processing, right? So either further processing or you know making a grind, turning the grind into a patty. Um, and again, uh, cut pieces into marinades or other. And so that's the further processing. And that's really what was missing when we came onto the scene is what took us so long to get the facility up and running was it needed a lot of upgrades and build outs for that specific part is being able to accept animals from the, from the ranch, bring it to the uh, facility to get harvested, but then further process and delivered the way the customer wanted them. Whether the restaurant wanted a rib roll, bone in, or they wanted a portion cut into slices, or they wanted a certain fat lean count on a grind or a certain size patty, 
all of that was missing in Honolulu and in Hawaii on a larger scale. Um, and so that precluded the local cattle going into the local system. There just wasn't any facilities to process them. Okay. And so now you guys are act as that third party um, for a lot of, well, I mean. For ranchers and restaurants alike, right? Yeah. So we get orders from restaurants for a specific canoe cut uh, bone marrow piece that they're going to oven roast and serve as an appetizer. Or it's a specific bone-in piece of meat that wants that they want marbled a certain way and to be a certain size to have a certain plate coverage, right? It, Hawaii didn't have a lot of that opportunity that the restaurant could reach back to the producer and get specific. Mm-hmm. So do they buy like... And then, then give it to you and then have you cut it into those things? Or do they just ask for those types yeah, of pieces? Yeah, all we do is we source the animal and then we're full service all the way to the box product, right? So wow. we'll get an order typically from a restaurant and they space specifically what they want and we source it. Okay. From live animal all the way through. And then how do you choose where you're getting your beef from? So Because um, you have a lot of... I right. guess options now at this point, right? Yeah. You so we've got a big footprint of ranch on Kauai. Um, we're a little over 2,000 head of cattle on Kauai on our own home footprint. And we have 70 some rancher partners across Hawaii that we also work with to source animals. Okay. Um, the other thing is uh, we were, we we're trying to help the ranching industry, not just our ranch, because again, that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, the rancher partners that we work with have very similar holistic-minded approaches to everything that they do, right? Whether it's, um, so so again, holistically in its, its total sense, right? So we don't do only what's good for the cattle if it's bad for the ground and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Because again, if it's if it's all-encompassing, then you get that triple bottom line. Yeah, and we'll talk about a little bit more about that too now. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, again, building a model that's sustainable, right? Um, and what was missing when we started in 2016 was the facility, right? The the, the home plate aggregating um, function that allowed it to grow, right? We we felt when we came on the scene, there was a lot of um, interest in local product in volume, mm-hmm. um, big contracts. But there wasn't enough buy-in from the facilities that could show that there was going to be um, a sustainable amount of product that was going to be available seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year. supply it. Absolutely. You know, every, we, we forget that every store or restaurant, they pay for that real estate to have product available. And when product's not available, they still have the fixed foot, footprint cost, mm-hmm. but they don't have the ability to capture that value back. Right. So whether it's, you know, Foodland or Time Supermarket or other, all these local grocers, they want to support local, but what they can't do is make space for local and it not always be full as an option for their customers to have. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we focus on being able to backfill that volume need mm-hmm. okay. along with quality and everything else, right? It's a partnership, right? We we have to be part of the solution, again, not part of the problem. And so we have to work with whether it's grocers or restaurants or ranchers to backfill the pieces that we're missing. Yeah. So what are the different, uh, I guess, quinoa beef products that you guys actually have out on the market? So we do whole animal, right? So we do everything from fresh beef tongue to oxtail, right? That's tip to tip. So being that we're, we custom cut everything in-house, you know, we can cut steaks 
a half inch thick or an inch and a half thick. Um, you know, we can hit a marble spec of, of something specific if it's a real grilling cut. Um, we can also do a price conscious um, grind program. Um, we're proud to say that we're 50% um, plus of the Oahu Department of Education program. Yep, I was going to ask. Yeah, about no one percent right? So it's matching the product to the customer, right? We have everything from. So, could you seasons, actually elaborate on that so yeah. people know? I know it's relatively new, but yeah, what what you're doing in expansion within the schools? Yeah, the um, so that was a very meaningful program. Um, the state worked really hard with the farm to school program. It took a couple of years to kind of work the kinks out. Um, it's been a long time since there was it was predominantly local sourced but um, all the islands now have has very good representation in the schools with local product um, and what that means for the industry is it's the hundred thousand plate restaurant right, right you know I mean it's the largest restaurant in Hawaii so the what it meant for the rancher is there was finally a very stable sizable contract mm -hmm. that was going to kick off you know month after month. So something they really could depend on. Um, so they can push up the supply. With, with yeah, absolutely. Not be so worried by. about yeah. uh, expanding their ranching footprint and overproducing product against the amount of buys out there, right? And so, and that's always kind of been Hawaii's problem, right? We could produce a lot more cattle. We just didn't see signals from the buyer that they were going to buy all the product. Yeah. And that's the worst place for a farmer to be in is, right? is overproducing and really and driving your own price down. down yeah. yeah. So so contracts like specifically the DOE is so large and it's so repetitive that it's very it makes it very stable. Mm -hmm. So that's like a base income for the ranch, right? Correct, correct. And everything else they do is just is adding value on top of that, you know, whether it's state programs or specific other programs. And price points come down usually. When <laughs> and, you know, the state was very good. It was the first time that they made um, a local have preference over price. It was always a bidding war, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a race to the bottom. Who could produce the cheapest meat at the largest volume? Well, that is not Hawaii's model. Well, and it's not probably the most nutritious. And, and that's the other thing, right? <laughs> People always ask us, is the value really there for local meat? And I said, exponentially, yes. Um, just on the meat, I mean, it's fresher, it's cleaner, it's healthier. So, yes. Then on the local economics, I mean, it's 10 to 1, right? I mean, it's, it's local dollars in your local economy doing things locally. And then there's the food security open space management part. I said, so th there's three reasons why it's better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it, you know, dollar for dollar, I can't prove that to you. Right. Because I guess somebody said they're both the same. And, and, we're, and we're here to tell you that it's just not anybody who shops locally understands that it's different. It's it's fresher. It's better. And again, there's all of the other uh, insulary items that, that come along with it. Yeah. So let's dive into some of the other topics like. I know there's a lot of talk with beef production and greenhouse gas emissions. So, um, you know, feedlot versus pasture-raised type of, you know, options. Right. So maybe for people that are, again, very green to this, could you explain that? Because I think a lot of people hear all these cows are emitting a lot the of, they're ruining the world, right? Um, and I think if it's not done sustainably, yes, it's it's very detrimental. But um, 
maybe you could explain how maybe the process and the way you do things maybe could be looked at in a different light. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so this is the hot button, of course, right? So with all of this um, gr uh, greenhouse gas problems, um, you know, global warming is, is, a, is a horrific problem that we're facing. And um, I think finally the majority is uh, is coming to grips with that, that it's, it's a reality and we better do something about it. The, the wide stroke of cattle are good or bad is just, it's, there's just too many fast facets to that to, to say, are they good or are they bad? Because like you mentioned that the model, the devil's in the details, right? The model is what makes it good or bad, no matter what you're doing, whether you're, you know, producing fuel or, 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 or producing food. Right. So I can't speak for anybody else's cattle model, right? Cause I don't understand it. I haven't a clue. Um, but I can tell you our model in Hawaii, right? Um, so our ranching footprint and most of the ranchers' footprints in Hawaii are on a water catchment system, right? So what that means is that that water would have just gone into a stream, ran to the ocean, and nobody would have used it. And so that's what waters the cattle. So, we're, so we're, we can say we're not taxing the water, the natural water system, right? We just aren't because that is not water we're pulling out of the ground to do anything on the ranch. The other thing is almost all the ranches, I mean, 99.9% .9 of them, right? Nobody irrigates open space because there's not yeah. enough value in it. It's too expensive, right? Yeah. So you're not taxing any resource. The only water that we use on the ranch is the water that are in the water troughs. So a very, uh, you know, a minuscule amount of water. We do not break the soil when we're... Our farming model is to not break the soil open, right? And so that's where exhausting carbon comes from, right? Our model is regenerative, right? So we basically clip the grass, it grows. And when you're doing that process, right, that's mother nature in motion. And that's building topsoil, which also sequesters carbon. The, the, the land that we're on, again, right, nobody is tilling and, and, and fertilizing because it's just cost prohibitive. Yeah. I, I can... I can with with confidence well, say nobody does it. Well, you live in an environment it. that can sustain itself without Correct. all this that other places have to do. Right. Know? And so the point is the Hawaii model of ranching is carbon neutral at worst. It's carbon positive in most cases. Well, could you explain that? Because of the amount of topsoil that a ranch builds under hoof. Because again, right, we never break the soil. We never actually take anything from the soil. All we're doing is clipping the growth. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're not actually taking anything away, you, all you're doing is adding to it, right? With the natural manure, the hoof prints that are, that are manipulating the, the topsoil and stuff. The rancher's purpose every day is to focus on good topsoil layer so that when we do get a rain shower, that the land can absorb it all and get us through to the next rain shower. Mm -hmm. and versus then, drainage correct yeah you know so 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 you know part of the 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 carbon problem is that we're losing topsoil at a rate higher than we ever have and that doesn't happen on the ranch because grass is what actually stabilizes topsoil right i mean it's the actual function of stabilizing topsoil is grass coverage. You see it on the side of the roads when they do road construction, the first thing they do when they're done is spray with grass yeah. because that stabilizes the soil. So, so that's what the rancher does every day, right? And 
And a grass-fed model, right, I always say that we use the cattle to do our work because they always make good moral decisions, right? <laughs> cattle are never swayed by the, the latest trends, right? I mean, they, they if we mindfully manage them through the ranch, they, they always make good decisions. And and, and again, it's, it's, it's a positive um, attribute to open space ranching in Hawaii, right? The, the Hawaii model is not adding to the carbon problem, right? And you talk, you hear about the burps and other from cattle, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's not, the, the, the numbers they're using are not from grass-fed cattle, right? They're from conventionally fed cattle that are on a diet that is gassy, that, that creates acidosis in their system, that gives them these gastro problems. But again, open space management in Hawaii, where they are, we are not on a conventional model. It's just, it's just not, it's, the fight is not applicable to the Hawaii ranching model. Yeah. So I don't even know the numbers, but what is pretty, I guess, like a good ratio for like acreage to like how many, you know, cow, uh, cattle can be on? The best rancher, that answer is always in flux. So when or Mother what Nature... You, what is your guys's, I guess, ratio that you guys we, like we try to stay, we, we try to stock the ranch two acres per head, but we manage it quite a bit more aggressive than that, but we, we, again, we respond to, to mother nature, right? So specifically on Kauai, we're in drought conditions three months ago. Yeah. It was really dry. The ranch was getting a little short on feed. And so we were watching that pretty closely, managing the herd and seeing if we're going to have to take cattle off the ranch or not. And then the rains came and I was on Kauai uh, Monday and we are probably a thousand heads short. So the great thing about Kauai specifically where we are is it heals up pretty quickly, right? Um, and again, this is all about deposits and withdrawals, we always say on the ranch, right? So if you have done good enough before the drought to the ground, you should be able to make it through. And the minute you get a little rain, it quickly can replenish itself, right? And that's that whole holistic management part, right? What might have been better for the cattle is for us to graze it down further. But that might have been not the best for the ground, and if you do that too many times, it'll catch up with you. Mm-hmm. But if you do that in reverse and you think of the ground first, along with the cattle and along with the business model, those little droughts or those big deluge of rains, they don't cripple the program. Mm-hmm. right? And that's what it's all about, right? It's not in any particular time, in, in any particular moment, how great the business was. It's over annual and, and, and lifetimes, you know, what was the outcome and and if we can focus on that, that's what's going to make it sustainable, right? Because we're, we look at this at Kuno, we look at this in perpetuity. Hawaii is always going to need a great open space manager that can fund its own program, right? We don't have state facilities that can go out and manage the 2 million fallow acres that Hawaii has. Yeah. That's going to be the rancher. But the rancher has to be profitable for, the, for their operation to allow them to do the right thing. Yeah, just like farmers, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So... Thank you for diving into that. Um, I I did hear something really briefly. I don't know if you know it because I know that you you did do like um, feed yourselves back in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you you still do now. Do you guys still uh, like feed for the, like feeds, you, the feed store? Yeah, but you for all different animals, right? We we have we no longer have the store. Yeah, yeah. we we got full into ranching and we we got rid of the family store and concentrated on growing our family uh, the farm for footprint. So, but you do grow or you do make some we do grass bales yeah Yeah, we do grass bales we don't do any grains but we do grass bales we store a lot of grass 
in hay bales like you would see yeah. around the U.S. Um, in case we get into a shortage yeah. of feed, um, and then on any given time when the ranch is overproducing grass, instead of just mowing that grass and losing that value, we put it up in hay. Okay. The other thing is when we have to put cattle in the corral to sort them or work with them or whatever else, um, that's the other reason. Uh, the third reason is, again, that interaction with our cattle is we try to make sure there's a reason for them to depend on us specifically for their feed and, and, and their care because we have to keep them quiet and docile through the program so that we're not chasing them and running them around mm -hmm. when we're trying to get them heavy and tender. We don't want to counter all of that work with running them around and getting them all excited and worried about it. Mm -hmm. So um, I, did, I didn't know to realize this, but the ruminant animals like, you know, cattle mm -hmm. and sheep, they, they do just grass and, you know, that stuff. But then when you're dealing with like chickens and cows, I mean, chickens and like um, pork, right, mm -hmm. then they got to have a completely different diet, right, right. in order to eat, yeah, which that ends up being actually more taxing on like all of the stuff you have to feed them than it would just cows running around. Yeah, That's, cattle are very thrifty as far as their existence, right? So they're f the way they, or what they can derive a balanced diet from is very basic. Mm -hmm. um, and their their rumen can adapt to, to different feed types, right? So you could be in a rainstorm for six months, uh, getting an inch a day, and their rumen would adjust to that wet feed mm -hmm. or you could get into a drought and their rumen would adjust to that as long as it's um it doesn't happen overnight right what you can't do is shock their system oh. but mother nature tends to do that in very soft cycles <laughs> right and so again if we mimic mother nature the cattle will be great for it but you're right hogs and and chickens and stuff right their diet um because they have a a simpler digestive system that their intake needs to be a little bit more prescribed or you won't end up with the finished product that you're looking for. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing I think too, when you're thinking about sustainability, that's another thing is the actual feed that it takes to feed these animals. Absolutely. Feed is the biggest yeah. component, right? Just, yeah. just the area, the area to do it. And then the customer ask isn't enough for a program, right? Yeah. If you're lacking feed, um, and let's face it, right, we're cut off for all intents and purposes um, to just call for feed. One is it's cost prohibitive, and two, it's compounding that, that lack of sustainability, right? So if we're depending on shipped feed for the farm program that we're doing to help food security, the missing link in all of that is the feed that has to come in. Like we're, still, the we're still, we're still having we're to still depend on correct. outside. The yes. model has to be so circular. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So um, let's see. How about tours, eco tours? Have you guys tackled those yet? On the like, I know eco tours are actually I just did a podcast the other day um, on eco tours, on eco tourism, and the new wave of the right. trending. Um, what tourists are wanting to go to, and even the local demographic, you know, whether they're bringing their kids to it or educational pieces. Um, have you guys started something up yet? We haven't. Um, in my past life, <laughs> we had a tour company that we did a lot of stuff on Lanai. Um, 
and there is definitely a place for it. Um, right now, we're very focused on the direct-to-consumer type business. Um, it's it's always been in the plan to eventually get comfortable and get to a growth place where we can say, okay, we've plateaued, and that's kind of where we want to be, and then develop that visitor side of it. Mm -hmm. um, are there any of your partners that are doing... Yes, That's lots. Right. Um, you know, the Morgans here at Kulo Ranch do a phenomenal job. In a very short cycle, you can see all the aspects of a working ranch, right? And the necessity to be diversified, to be sustainable, right? Um, there's there's um, great farms. Uh, you know, Motwa is one of our partners on the west side. Um, they do a lot of farm tours. Um, it's just for us, we're... we're, we're Hyper-focused. Yeah, we're, 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 there's such a big problem that we got to get tackled. We don't want to get watered down with sort of getting in too many directions at once. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have an occasional school group that comes to the harvest facility. Um, you know, we're very focused on people getting connected with their food um, and knowing what it is. Um, we, we hope you pick quinoa, but we're not saying you have to. But we just want the consumer to know enough about their food so they can make good choices. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's connecting people with their food, right? You know, milk doesn't come on aisle 12. Um, it, it really comes from a cow still everywhere. Um, it's just where you buy it is on aisle 12. So buying almond milk and some other stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so it, it's, um, but again, it's, it's getting people connected with their food, right? I think we're, we're one or two generations removed from that. I think Hawaii was very, very connected with their food at some point. Yeah, and where's it, the milkman? And you're right, exactly, you know, uh, or the Akuli man, right? Beeping his horn through town. And, 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 but so you just, we have to get back to that because I think um, we, we have to focus on being food secure, right? We, we are really in a bad spot if something happens. Yeah. We're really, really in a bad spot. And I think the, the more our, our, our um, population grows, right? It just gets worse and worse and worse, right? Until there's a point where we can't save ourselves. We got so much uh, going on here. And again, you know, so dependent on the boat. Yeah. Um, I think the last one topic was um, back to the renewable energy. So on your facility and then maybe a little bit more in the facilities, but yeah, could you go dive into that one? Real yeah. Quick? So renewables for us, again, is, um, is, it's specifically focused on the economics, right? So our biggest cost at the facility is electricity, obviously, right? The reefers and the freezers run 24-7. Whether we've got one pound in there or 100,000 pounds, it's, it costs the same amount to run it. And so full is the most uh, valuable for us. But how are we going to manage costs, right? As we all know, electricity keeps going up and up and up and up. And at some point, you know, the product itself can't absorb all of that. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're mindful of that. And so on our particular building, um, our, all of our west-facing rooftops are currently in PV. Um, at that point in time, when we put it in, it cut our electricity bill in half. The plan is to put more up um, and to look at, continue to look at things that can manage some of our costs for, for electricity. Mm -hmm. um, thank God we're on the west side, so you know, lots sun. of sun, very, very clear skies and stuff. Um, and it's, it's, we've, got, we, and, and I think that's the thing is Kuno keeps setting the bar really high for ourselves, um, and we've got to strive for perfection. Um, and and as more opportunities come online for renewables, we have to keep thinking of that, right? Whether it's biodigesters or um, 
PV or, 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 or wind turbines or whatever could work for us, right? I mean, we've even looked at steam uh, and trans, uh, steam cold transfers, right? So whatever's out there, we have to keep looking. And that's, that's the partnerships that we have with some of our people that we work in the industry is that I think Hawaii is on the cutting edge of all of that. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, we're not afraid to think way outside the box. On yeah, stuff. and I think that's great because a lot of companies are. Yes. You know, so that you guys are one of the people really open to hearing all of these new concepts mm-hmm. and all of these new things that are coming down the pike and possibly being some of the first, which is what we need to prove to everybody that this can work. <laughs> and that's the great thing about Hawaii is collaboration, I think, is easier here than anywhere. Because it's a tight-knit group, um, you, it doesn't take as long to hear about an opportunity Be- because it, it's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very tight-knit group, right? We're all kind of racing to figure out, you know, how do we keep Hawaii Hawaii while keeping our creature comforts um, available to us, mm-hmm. you know, without just Turn walking to work and, <laughs> you know, washing it's your like clothes on a rock. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. So, um I think that pretty much wraps things up. Um, one thing on your on your facility, I did hear that you know you have a lot more space. Are you planning to expand? And you know how much can you like really do there now? And like what is the need? Like is the need much greater than what you're able to provide at this point? Or yeah, the the growth, right? The yeah, double-edged the sword. Um, there's a lot of room. We're on seven acres. Um, we're probably using a third of it now or less. Um, so the great thing is there is a lot of room for expansion. I think we've got a lot of work ahead of us, though, to completely utilize what we have mm-hmm. and build out the business model of, you know, what would be the cat's meow, if you would, of what would be the, the, the big building size, if mm-hmm. you would, you know, and what's the buy-in from products and everything else. So we continually watch that, you know, what's the, what's the growth cycle for Kuno? Um, you know, I think internally we think we're going a little too fast, um, but we also understand that without getting to a, a certain size, there's, it's hard to fit, right? Um, growing consciously is, is too lumpy, and it's hard to finance, and it's hard to predict. And so we've identified a certain critical mass size that we need to be to take care of this first sort of um, goal. Mm-hmm. But again, the, the great thing is I think um, the buy-in gets stronger and stronger every quarter. I think, think, you know, the consumers, what we're excited about is this is really a consumer driven market. And the consumer has said, we want to know where it comes from. We want to know what what's in it and we want to support local. Yeah. And I think it's just growing. And the bigger, I I mean, the bigger it gets, the more that's produced, you know, then the costs come down. Absolutely. Which is, I think where right now I would say, middle to higher end mm-hmm. families, right. you know, income levels are, you know, buying into all of this at this point. But to see that's in the school systems, um, public school systems, yes. and to see that, you know, the locals that maybe this isn't on their budget at the point in time that they're still being able to be serviced is what I appreciate the most. So thank you for taking on these initiatives and I appreciate it. But um, I think that pretty much wraps us up for today. So thank you, Bobby, so much for being here. And also um, thank you to all our listeners. And 
Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.com. Also follow us on Instagram at at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii and like us on Facebook. Uh, We will have a whole bunch of all of your contact information and probably some of the people that we've uh, mentioned in this podcast up on our info sheet for when we post. So until next time, mahalo and live smart. We appreciate it. Mahalo.